Hello and welcome to the three inning save podcast. That's a nice way well, to do it. I, you know, that's a good name. I think we should use that for our podcast going forward. Um, hello, <laughs> uh, I'm Eric Steven. That was Jacob Birch. Uh, you may have heard us on, uh, you may remember us from previous podcasts, such as the True Blue <laughs> LA podcast. Um, but now we are on a new network uh, called the Fans First Sports Network. We are proud to still be podcasting about the Dodgers. Um, our new uh, podcast name is Three Inning Save. Um, Which is still a Dodgers podcast. We're writing. not just exclusively just right. one episode per Three Inning Save. We do like, how many are Look, there a year gonna... in the major majors? That's a good question. I will I will find that at some point and, okay. and maybe next episode. But uh, I, I do think we should have an emergency episode every time there's a Three Inning Save in <laughs> I don't baseball. know about that. We, we can have a okay. segment where we mention them, though. I like that idea. That's that's good. Um, but uh, the good news is for anyone who was subscribed to our True Blue LA podcast, uh, it's the same uh, RSS feed. If you were subscribed in the podcast uh, catcher of your choice, uh, it will still uh, the new podcast will still show up in that feed. So you don't really have to do anything. Um, yeah. So for the most part, uh, you know, other than the name change, it's going to be more of the same. Uh, you're going to get a lot of uh, banter between Jacob and I um, for the next couple weeks, still me talking about spring training ties for some reason. And then uh, lots of questions from Craig, uh, excellent producing from Brian Salvatore, uh, the, the the usual, um, you know, what you've come to expect from True Blue LA. Um, but now we are just the three inning save podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And thank you uh, in advance for listening. Goodbye, every. Wait, no, this is the start. We've got today questions from Craig. We have some news to catch up on, some baseball to talk about, both spring training. Maybe we'll mention the World Baseball Classic, which might be going on right now as I record this. Uh, who can game. say? Who, who's to say? But uh, like before, we've got some commercials, and let's do that, and then we'll catch up with y'all. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This happens every year, but we're in the, like, how is opening day only two weeks away? Less than two weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it feels like opening day is, like, is almost too close. But at, we're also at the point where, okay, spring's been pretty long. Spring training has been pretty <laughs> – it's been over a month now. Uh, uh, so kind of ready to be done with spring training, but also – not fully ready for the season to start. So it's in this weird uh, middle spot. But being so close to the season now, we have a better idea of what of roughly what the opening day roster is going to be. Um, one thing, I guess we – or one player who we obviously would have expected on the opening day roster who is not going to be is Tony Gonsolin. Um, he sprained his left ankle um, – uh, back on March March sixth, it was during morning drills, uh, during doing workouts on the backfields. Um, he was scratched from his start that week, and then it sort of uh, took a little bit while a little while to get better. 
Uh, Dave Roberts said uh, this week that uh, Gonsolin is going to not going to be ready at the start of the season, so he's going to start on the injured list um, on um, St. Patrick's Day of all days. Dave Roberts said to quote. To say he's going to start the season, that's not going to happen. So, um, just uh, such nice manager manager speak, right? The, the double, yeah. Well, anyone double negative too, like um, <laughs> so. Bearing the he, lead, the <laughs> that's right. No, but um, Gonsolin was throwing this week, so he's not like you know completely shut down or anything. But he's doing like long toss now. I think he was up to 120 feet, but. His last start, his only spring start, was March 1st. And where he's at now, because of the time off, he's essentially roughly back at square one. So, you you know, the sort of progression there, you go long toss, then he'll start facing hitters, or maybe probably bullpens first, then facing hitters. Then he'll, like, do, like, simulated game stuff where he starts building up. So it's going to take a little while for him to build back, like like a regular spring training again. So he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. So that opens up a rotation spot. And um, right now, that's a, basically a battle between the three other um, starting pitchers on the 40-man roster. Ryan Pepio and Michael Grove have been uh, making starts this spring and, and progressing as though they are preparing to start for the regular season, whether it's AAA or majors. But uh, they've both looked pretty good i guess he wouldn't go wrong with either one uh pepio did leave his last start on on the 17th with um I, they call it like mild discomfort or something in his side also his pitch count was running a little high so uh they're they don't seem too concerned about it so i don't think it's going to like cost him time or anything just yet but um and then but dave roberts in the last couple of days has also mentioned made sure to uh, also mentioned Andre Jackson, um, who's also been stretching out as a starter, uh, though he hasn't been starting in games. And he, his last outing was on um, on the backfields at Camelback Ranch, so he, he pitched four innings. So all all three of those guys are essentially ready to, you know, give you like a fifth starter type outing uh, every time they go out. So like they, they're actually in even without Gonsolin, it seems like they're in pretty good shape, but. You know, with Gonsolin going on the Angelus, I was looking this this up because just sort of preparing for the regular season, and they're going to have a lot of people on the injured list to start, start the year. They already put the the three pitchers on the sixty day injured list back in February: uh, uh, Walker Bueller, uh, Blake Trinan, and JP Fireisen. Um, now Gonsolin's going to be there. Gavin Lux, who's out for the year, he's obviously going to be there. Um, Alex Reyes, who they signed um, as a free agent reliever, he's still recovering from shoulder surgery last May. He hasn't even thrown uh, yet in spring training, so he's going to be a little bit, maybe a couple months. Uh, Daniel Hudson, ankle tendonitis. He's been facing hitters but hasn't pitched in a game yet. He's probably not going to be ready till like mid-April or so. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, just stuff you have to work around. You, they they're, It does set them up for – you know, if at least a few of those guys can come back like mid-season or later in the season, the bullpen does look a lot better and deeper. But, you know, you know how that goes. Like, you just sort of – you have like 13 guys you want to use and then you figure out which seven or eight are going to be the, the ones. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is – so it's looking more and more like Jason Hayward is going to make the roster. So he's a non-roster invitee. Um Dave Roberts has in the last like week or so, he's basically said as much without saying specifically. 
I believe um, uh, Fabian Ardaya at The Athletic, Jack Harris of the LA Times have, have written about this too, but I believe the one of the days in the last week or so, um, Roberts was, I think, was asked if, you know, hey, does that mean Hayward is like in line for the opening day roster? And I believe Roberts' answer was, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you to know, say he's going to make the roster. That's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, okay. So, I, and I, I excerpt, uh, I or saw this from the LA Times from Jack Harris. Roberts, uh, he, he did say, "quote I think it's a safe bet." Um, and then he's coming to spring. He's come into spring training with this new revamp swing that it looks like he's done it for a long time. His numbers have been like so-so in spring training. He's been all right the last couple of days, but um, I th- I think they're going to probably give him a try. Um, and then if you look like last uh, last week's roster cuts, uh, they ba- they optioned a bunch of like you know the the few uh, a lot of folks like um, far away from being major league ready like Diego Cartaya, Eddie's Leonard, and um, Yorby Bivas who are all going to probably start in Double A. They haven't yet have yet to play above High A, but then they also optioned like Michael Bush. Um, who's probably going to play in the majors at some point this year, but um, they they only have 13 healthy position players left on the 40-man roster. Hayward is not on the 40-man roster currently, but because of the pitcher limit of 13 pitchers, you always have to have at least 13 position players. The, the, the Dodgers, you know, in, in recent years have played with uh, pretty consistently, like, you know, 12 position players a lot. So, um Sometimes getting to that thirteen is like is is more than we're used to, I think. But because of the the pitcher limits now, um, that's going to be a thing. Um, so you know, adding Hayward to those thirteen on the forty man that means they really only have one more cut to make on the position player side. So it's essentially between uh, James Outman, an outfielder, or uh, uh, Yanni Hernandez, who's like a utility infielder. So I don't know. Uh, it's, Outman's been great, like pretty much since he made his debut last year. He's just been hitting the crap out of the ball. He strikes out a lot, but like not, not like you know Joey Gallo a lot, you know that kind of a thing. But um, Stacey Wheeler at True Blue LA wrote on Saturday. She had a nice piece on it saying Outman deserves to make the opening day roster. If you've read our comment section uh, at True Blue LA uh, during that time, just about every day in every story, uh, there's someone, uh, multiple people saying James Outman should start all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, valid. It's fine. Um, but that, that's, uh, who knows if that's going to happen. I would say there's a few factors though. So you have David Peralta, who's the primary left fielder. He's a left-handed batter. He's at least going to like start against righties. You know, I don't know if they're going to do an exact platoon or whatever. Jason Hayward's also a left-handed batter. I you figure if he's going to play regularly, it's going to be in center. Um, obviously Mookie Betts is in right. Uh, Trace Thompson, a right-handed batter, he's going to figure in at left and center, I would imagine. Chris Taylor, because of Gavin Lux's injury, is going to play more infield than expected, but he's also going to move around. Like He'll play a lot of left and short and center, that kind of stuff. Um, But the fact that he's playing more infield does open up a little bit more time in the outfield, but also there's been like talk – I've seen multiple – um, either scrums or interviews with Roberts uh, saying that Mookie Betts is going to play. I think he told Tom Verducci um, the plan is for Betts to play 40 games at second, but then like a week later in camp he said 20 games. 
Um, I don't think the number matters, although 40 is a lot. I mean, if it's 40, that's that's a major thing. But like, I just think the the big thing is that he's willing to uh, have bets play more than like in recent years. It, it, it in the last few years, it seemed more like a almost like a fetish for bets. Like he wants to play second base, so let's make him happy. Like a couple times a year type of a thing. But it sounds like they're really serious about occasionally playing him at second. Um, you know, maybe on days where Miguel Vargas doesn't start. And, like, Miguel Vargas, like, even if they, you know, have high expectations for him, he's still at a brand-new position. And to expect him to just step right in and start, like, 150 games a second is probably not wise anyway. But I just think if Betts plays more second base, if Taylor's playing more infield, like filling in at short, filling in at third, even filling in at second, um, I think there's there's room for – Outman to be like on the roster and playing as opposed to the usual thing of we're going to send this guy down because we want him to play every day, you know, rather than sit on the bench. Whereas Yanni Hernandez makes more sense as like a bench guy. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that That's kind of where we're at <laughs> position player wise, I think right now. Well, catch us up on the other side. You know, we talked a little bit about sort of the, the players have hit the eye out, but what about the, the players that are still around and going to actually <laughs> uh, make the roster? Or I thought you were gonna, looking to make the roster. I thought you were going to say, "What about the players who aren't yet on the IL?" Like, right now? <laughs> <laughs> More uh, yet, <laughs> and, and who knows? Um, uh, I guess the transition here is speaking of injured list. Jimmy Nelson was on the injured list all last year, um, so they re-signed Jimmy Nelson to a major league deal, um, and he has not looked good at all in spring. In fairness to him, he hasn't pitched in a year and a half. He had Tommy John and Flexor tendon repair. Um, but uh, he's pitched four spring games. He's faced 17 batters, walked eight of them, struck out none. Um, he walked four or five batters the other night. It's one of those things where, I, you know, who knows? No, As far as I know that I have seen, like I haven't seen any reports. I have not in spring training, obviously, but um, – no one said anything about Nelson, you know, not – it seems like he's fully healthy, but it's one of those things where he's not pitching well enough to be on the roster. Again, it's a reliever, and he's only pitched four games. Maybe he finds a groove pretty soon here, but he has the requisite service time to refuse any assignment to the minors. I doubt they, they're going to outright, like, release him. So it's one of those things where you you think, like, they're, they're going to be like, hey, maybe – um Maybe you're feeling fatigue from, you know, um, coming back from uh, all that rehab and all that stuff. No, I'm maybe- fine. I'm really fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you sure? Are you? <laughs> we, we want to make sure. Um, Bring in a hypnotist. So you heard. You're, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those like, oh, I, I think we need to, your control muscle has been uh, compromised. <laughs> we need to, no, I don't know. But no, you know, you never want to like, <laughs> there's, there's phantom DLs or ILs, but. Um, not, not saying that it's going to be the case, but like, uh, that's, it's been, it's been wild. Like, so his first outing was, um, on a super rainy day when they were in surprise playing Texas. And the point of the game where he pitched the, in the top of the inning, when the Rangers were pitching, the, the mound was so messed up. Like the, the sod was like clumping and all the pitchers, like for a couple innings there, Basically, after like every pitch or two, they're like getting like a the tongue depressor and like getting crap off their cleats, and they were just having a really hard time. 
Uh, I think the, the the Rangers pitcher in the top of the inning was not throwing strikes. Jimmy Nelson, this was his first game back in like a year and a half, and he's like can't find his footing on the mound. So I sort of chalked that one up. I'm like, all right, we can ignore that one. But then since then, he really hasn't found it. So that's that's been an issue. Um, the other sort of like slowing down type uh, progression, Yancy Almonte, um, he was uh, slow played this year after he missed like a month and a half at the end of last year, right before the uh, playoffs with elbow tightness. So uh, he pitched on Saturday, the 18th. That was his second game this spring. He had pitched the previous Saturday as well. Um, he was interviewed in the during the game on the 18th on Sportsnet LA with Kirsten Watson. And it was weird because – so the both – um, Tim Neverett on the broadcast. And then when when Chris Kirsten Watson was interviewing Yancey, they mentioned it was his Cactus League debut, but he pitched in one of the split squad games the previous Saturday. Uh, it even said that in the Dodgers notes. And to Yancey's credit, he did not correct Kirsten when, he, when she mentioned it was his Cactus League debut. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait, did he pitched in that other game? Like, did I miss something? <laughs> But the the takeaway is he he feels fine. They're just like making sure he he did mention the plan from the Dodgers side was to take it uh, take it easier on make it easier on him on the front end and then with the hopes of he's going to be healthier during the season. Um, Abruzzo Gratterall has been pretty good too, but he also had not pitched in a week before pitching on Saturday, um, so that was something. Uh, at least I was watching before I was because you know. Um, I, th- that was, I will say this I, one thing that Ken Gurnick, uh, classic, uh, baseball writer for many years, um, uh, when he was with, he worked at MLB.com during, uh, my overlap with him. And, um, he was, uh, he was great. Like just the best I've ever seen at like pretty much knowing like in spring training, even like the exact, what the exact schedule should be for like, like all you know, 74 pitchers in camp or whatever. If something was amiss at all, Gurnick would sniff it out. Like it, it, to be fair, if you're, if you're covering it from a news standpoint, um, if you're writing for like a newspaper, a lot of people don't really care on, on most relievers. So like, I can understand if you just sort of ignore it, but man, he was awesome at like just the minutia stuff. So that, that really endeared me to him. And so he would have been like all over that kind of stuff. But, you know, you don't get like that. Gratterall hasn't pitched in a week. Uh, maybe he's pitched on the backfields, like doing like bullpens and stuff. But uh, so maybe that's why no one's been talking about it. But it was just one of those things since he hadn't pitched in a week. I was like, oh, is he all right? Yeah, he's okay. So the one thing uh, Dave Roberts did say on Saturday, this is from Bill Plunkett of the Orange County Register. I believe this was uh, in pre- the pregame scrum with Roberts. Um, he he said the last um, he said Alex Vesia and Caleb Ferguson would be on the opening day roster, that the Dodgers would uh, um, carry at least two lefties. He said the last spot or two are still to be decided, so it's possible they could add another lefty. Or it seems like um, Victor Gonzalez is probably in the running for that. The other sort of um, newly signed major league deal veteran who's struggling to a point is Shelby Miller. Um, so he's been hit around quite a bit. Um, he allowed, uh, you know, I forgot what he, he pitched okay on Saturday, but he's, he's struck out like a third of his batters, um, even though he was getting hit around quite a bit and he hadn't walked anyone. 
uh, before Saturday. So like, it's not, it's not the worst. You don't want to put too much in spring stats anyway, unless like with Nelson, it just stands out. Like he just can't find the strike zone. Um, Phil Bickford, he's out of options. He's been pretty good. You figure with like Hudson down, um, uh, and just he, you, you figure he's probably got the inside track just because they're going to see what they have before like cutting bait. Cause you'd have to put him on waivers if he uh, goes through and, um, I think they still like him and had this potential to, you know, if he pitches like he did in 2021, he'd be pretty good. Um, the other, like the best non-roster reliever, I think has been Wander Suero. Um, but like, it hasn't really stood out to where it's like, he's obviously going to make it. So I don't know, but yeah, that's, that's kind of it, it, it. Like it's, you know, I never want to say it's like stuff is set. Cause every time you do that, like <laughs> something inevitably happens, but, um, I don't know. They're, they're, so there's a few decisions to be made, but um, we, it seems like we have a pretty good handle on what they are at this point. Now, I guess the one decision is, you know, if Hayward's going to make the team, is he going to be the starting center fielder? So that brings me to our trivia question to you for today. Oh, boy. Um, I thought we were going to get rid of this. Did I think oh, yeah, you not get that in my memo? I, I don't, Tired I, of I, being I, embarrassed. I, I snuck it into the contract. <laughs> no. Uh, um. So Jason Hayward on opening day, March 30th against the Diamondbacks, he's going to be 33 years old, uh, 33 years, 233 days old. Um, if he, if he makes the team and if he starts in center field, he'd be the sixth LA Dodger, uh, at least 33 years old to start opening day in center. Who was the last such player and how many of the other five aging center fielders can you name? I, uh, over under one. We'll see. We'll see after this. I was going to come back uh, recapping the question saying, who is the last old person to start at center field? And then realized I am three years older than this threshold of uh, old person. And now I feel ancient. <laughs> and you're the center of attention at this for this trivia question. That's yeah, um, true. So I w- I'll give you the years uh, or yeah. the, the of the most recent. Nope. Uh, I'm going to take the... one. I'm going to take one oh. guess blind okay. and then you can give me hints. Kenny Lofton. No, I believe that I believe he started and left uh, that year. Kenny, I will look. Um, I don't want you in the Hall of Fame anymore. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, you belong. Yeah, You'll be, get there because he couldn't. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was because Juan Pierre was. No, they didn't have Juan Pierre in 06. Um, okay, 06 was Dodgers. Let's see where he was. Game one. He did not play in – he started the season on the injury list. He did play in center uh, that year, so I'm way off. <laughs> um, but he, he started the year on the injury list and didn't play until the 11th game of the year. All right, give me give so. me a year. Of, it's just going to make me more embarrassed. But um, So the person, the most recent, not only started in center in 2000, but also in 1999. <laughs> 2000? Um, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, former – Angel and former Blue Jay. So, yeah. uh, uh, well, I'm gonna go old. Uh, uh, I believe they got him from the Brewers. Um, you're you're not helping me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, a former former. Wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, Dean it, <laughs> Marquise Grissom. So they are linked. Okay, uh, in a way. Um, it's not him, but before I answer fully, because I, I'm having a bit of a brain fart as well, <laughs> I wanted to make sure of something. Um, 
Brian Jordan? Yeah. Oh no. So it wasn't Brian Jordan. So the re- the reason uh, it wasn't uh, Marquise Grissom is because this player was traded to get Marquise Grissom. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah. But, I don't. Okay, but skip. Let's skip him. Like I will. Okay, th- this you should get. Um, there <laughs> is a center that. fielder. <laughs> there is a center fielder who who meets our criteria. Yeah, thirty three or older, starting center field on opening day for the Dodgers, six times in the nineteen nineties. Uh, Brett Butler. That's correct. Okay. okay, the one no one is going to get, I won't even get, and I I see the list is um, uh, nineteen ninety eight is the in between year. Trent Hubbard, <laughs> I believe he went by Trinidad <laughs> time. Um, yeah, <laughs> what was happening in nineteen ninety eight? Um. If you if we go back old school, um, the 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 ones the L.A. Dodgers before Butler to do opening day center field, Rick Monday in 1979 he was 33, Jim Wynn in 1975 also 33, um, and then the last Brooklyn one to do it, uh, Frenchie Bordigaray. What a great name that is. Um, so Butler was the oldest, even going back to Brooklyn. 39 years, 290 days old in 1997, opening day. Uh, the oldest one for Brooklyn was, um, I always see this name as Kiki Kyler, but it's actually pronounced Kai Kai Kyler. Uh, it's, a, it's a rough rough one to say. Um, he was 1938, um, 39 years, 232. Um, the person you did not get was Devon White. Um, okay. They had a rough couple years there of trying to fill the the center field spot and then is basically the the progression was essentially obviously with trent hubbard in between but other stuff in 98 but brett butler for center for a while then aging devon white then not quite as aging but not quite as good marquise grissom and then it sort of transitioned into dave roberts and then from there but they haven't had anyone that old start on center field since 2000 um so yeah I, I'm giving you credit for getting Brett Butler because yeah, I'll take it. Um, I'll take yeah. it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, turnabout's fair play because it's time for with Jens and Greg. We love them. Just like we love it. Oh. The old times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so long ago in our our forever ago podcast. <laughs> way way back when when we were uh, podcasting at Drew Blue LA. Five questions from Craig Minami, uh, starting with four uh, parts. Uh, all right, you ready? I am ready. Uh, almost read the answer instead of the question. Last season was the 60th anniversary of the first Cyan Warren uh, worn, won by an L.A. Dodger. This week's trivia questions are about this award-winning Dodger hurlers. Uh, 2003 Cy Young winner Eric Gagne pitched the fewest, fewest innings of all Dodger awardees. Can Eric name the pitcher with the second fewest innings? Okay, so um, I will say the one thing I remember, or there's a lot of things I remember, but Eric Gagne, he had three consecutive years where he pitched 82 and a third innings, which I thought was hilarious. Um but uh, so I believe the answer has to be uh, Fernando Valenzuela in 1981 because it was a strike shortened year. But I think Fernando also led the majors in innings that year. Even I mean, so it's not like he was you know 
bereft of innings. It's just like it was just a short year. Is that is that right or no? It is correct. Uh, one hundred ninety-two point one innings in nineteen eighty-one. Uh, the um, the National League, not the not the majors. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the only other two pitch less than two hundred win a Cyan is Clayton Kershaw. Okay. What uh, in, in uh, thirteen and fourteen? Uh, fourteen. Oh, the only other one. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. What okay, yep, sorry. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because he had the Terrace Major, who nobody ever knew heard of that before uh, that happened. So. <laughs> 1974 Cy Young Award winner Mike Marshall had the most losses of all awardees, with his 12 being the only loss total in double digits. Three times the Dodger awardee had nine losses. Can Eric name those pitchers bonus points for naming the year? Okay, so. Uh... Full disclosure, I, I normally don't look at the questions from Craig so I can have them or so I can react to them in time. Although when I was pasting them into the notes, I did happen to read it. So I wrote notes, but these are my actual guesses. I didn't research this um, and before or after. Um, but the the ones that came to mind, so uh, I be, I want to say, don't, don't tell me if I'm wrong on each one. Just let me, I'll get through three. Um, so Sandy Koufax, 1966, I'm pretty sure he won 27. So I think he was 27 and nine. I think Don Newcomb in 1956 was also 27 and nine. Um, uh, the other notes. So speaking of Fernando, he, he had eight losses. He was 13 and eight. I know that I know Oral Hershiser was 23 and eight in 1988 because that was 88 and it's great. Um, so I think the other one. I think it's Don Drysdale in 1962, and I, I want to say he was 25 and 9. You got Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax both correct. It was not mm-hmm. Don Newcomb. Can you you want to take another stab at the other one? Huh. Okay. This. Oh. Um, oh. Kershaw on 13? Correct. 16 and 9? Yep, yeah. there you go. Well done. Wait. All right. So I'm before we go on to the okay. next. Okay. You, you can ask it. You can ask it. I, I'm right. just going to look something up. Clayton Kershaw won Cy Young awards in 2011, 2013, and 2014. Can Eric rank from high to low the best B war baseball reference war oh. seasons for those great Kershaw years? Um, Don Newcomb was 27 and seven in 1956. Mm-hmm. So ah, way off. Um. Okay, so 14 was the aforementioned year where he missed a good chunk of time, but he still was so awesome that he won the Cy Young. So I hmm, I think it would it's going to be even with – so I think hmm, – I'm just going to guess here. I think it goes 11, uh, and then – oh, man. Are you going high to low? Yeah, I'm going I'm going to go 11 14 13 even though I'm pretty sure there's a big gap in innings from 13 to 14. You reverse the order. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 13 8.1, 2014 7.7 and 2011 6.8. All right. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um He was just he was right. good that whole era. So Yeah. No, I was just counting down. That's what I was Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I gave you gave you a shot. Yeah. Eric Gagne had one of four seasons where the pitcher had more strikeouts than innings pitched. Can Eric name the other three season with Masters? Okay, so I was trying to think. First of all, that shocked me because I was thinking oh, a lot of those guys had. But then I remembered like 
I know like Koufax had in one of his 300, I think he might have had three 300 strikeout seasons, but I know in one of them, like, like 66, I'm pretty sure he had like 335 innings or something. So any, so he didn't, but I Kovacs in 1965 for sure because he struck out 382. Yeah, um, which is <laughs> staggering. Um, um, but I just looking back at this, I think the only other two that I can think of has to be Kershaw in 13 and 14. Kershaw in 14 and 11. Ah. <laughs> What was he doing in 2013? <laughs> and you had, want to tell me that was his, his number He had 236 innings pitched and 232 yeah. strikeouts. Wait, that's not... that Four more innings pitched than strikeouts. Oh, in 13? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I Freak am out. confused. All yeah. right. You did, you did really good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thanks. This is the 60th anniversary of Tommy Davis's batting title win in 1963. That was the second of back-to-back titles for Davis and the last batting title for an L.A. Dodger. Do you think there is a batting champion? Uh, did Trey Turner not win that? Am I making that up? Is that weird in my head? Um, Trey Turner won the batting title in a ha- season. Oh, okay, got played it, with got the Dodgers it. and the Nationals. Yeah, it counts. There's also an, I'll bring up the other. Yeah, yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew you would. Do you think yeah. there is a batting champion in the current Dodger organization, and if so, who is that player? Um, I mean Freddie Freeman. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah, I think Freddie Freeman's the obvious one. Um, he almost did it last year. Um, but in, if we're talking like future stuff, like. It's, it, I would probably say Miguel Vargas, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's Freeman is probably the best bet. Like, like within the next five years, he could win one or two or whatever. So, do you want to talk about LA Dodger? Yeah. In fact, um, a certain uh, former Dodger led the majors in batting average in 1990. But, um, because of the man, they, they stuck it to him. Uh, no, uh, Eddie Murray, obviously. 184 hits, 558 at bats. He hit 330 in 1990. Willie McGee, my mortal enemy, um, <laughs> stole Pedro Guerrero's 1985 MVP, which was really Duggins, but let's not talk about that. And then in 1990, he was on the Cardinals, uh, and then he was hitting 335, and then they made a waiver trade with the A's. He already had the over 502 plate appearances to qualify for a full season in the National League. Then he sucked, or not sucked, but he hit like 278 in, in, in with Oakland or something like that. So his to, his average, I believe, dropped to 324 on the season. So at the end of the year, you had um, Willie McGee hitting 324. There were a couple people in between. American League batting champion George Brett, the first ever player to win the three a batting title in three different decades, um, hit 329. And then Eddie Murray at the top, 330, and nothing to show. Or he didn't get the silver bat. He didn't, or whatever the, like, ugh, still mad. I'm, I'm furious about this, uh, about Eddie Murray not having it. That That's what, like, forget figuring out the regional streaming, net, uh, regional sports networks and how to stream games. MLB has a major, major thing they have to solve immediately, and that's giving Eddie Murray his 1990 batting <laughs> title. <laughs> that's what we should have named the new bot- podcast. Or maybe we could do something on this new network where, 
I just have a podcast where I rant about Eddie Murray, uh, 1990, every single episode. I'm sure people listen to that. I'm going to uh, phrase this next question as uh, Dave Roberts. Predictions for division winners and postseason qualifiers? We'll leave that for another time. <laughs> for the contest, let's hear who you think will finish last in each division in 2023. Okay, I know we're on a new network now. Are we Are we even doing the contest? Yes. I know we are. We have to do it. I'm just kidding. Um, it's just funny. I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, oh, who who who's going to finish last in each division in twenty? Let's just go through them. Uh, you, do you want to pick first? NL West, Rockies. So, I mean, we could pick the same, right? Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> it's pretty clearly, <laughs> pretty clearly, the Rockies in the West. All right, so I'll go first in the Central. Oh, this is another. It's <laughs> Pirates. Yeah, I'm trying to like I'm trying to give I, it, entertainment. It could, yeah, I you know I'm gonna go with the Reds. Yeah, I was gonna say that I after I said that it, it that definitely could be the Reds, but um, so that means you get to go first in the East. Uh, duh, 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 uh yeah, only two teams to pick from. I'll go now. Nah, I'll go Nationals. Say they're not. I was going to say it would be the hilarious answer would be the Mets, yeah. but like it's also <laughs> almost impossible. Um, but yeah, so you're it's Mets Marlins. Like the Marlins are like frisky enough to yeah the Nationals, Nationals Marlins. Good. You said Mets Marlins. <laughs> I heard at least you've chopped yourself into it. <laughs> um, wait, but you know what? J- just because I-, I will, I will just for the sake of the contest, I'm going to go Miami. Okay. Um, okay, so I get what AL East? No, AL West. Let's you do pick, AL West. You get a pick, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, AL West. Um, so yeah, Houston Mariners made the playoffs last year. Oh, A's. Yeah, yeah. Right on Oakland. Yeah, prove I'm not stealing stealing uh-huh. answers. All right, you're you're up next. Royals. So <laughs> they no, play okay. just yeah. down the street. No, I mean they're they're an hour or so away. But yeah. Royals. Okay, um, so not a very good division, but still, yeah, I don't think they're good either. But I also, uh, I this is partially because of the context, partially because I still don't think they're good. Tigers, that's fair, totally. Yeah, all right, so that's AL. gonna be the interesting one, I think. AL is also interesting for the other opposite reason. Jeez, how do you speaking of, speaking of funny? Yankees. No, oh, no. Um, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Cause, oh, man, that's like the Orioles are obviously up and coming, but they, they're up and coming from a long way down. Right. So, you know what? I'm, and the Red Sox seem to have absolutely zero depth. Um, <laughs> I think I'm still going Orioles just because um, they have, they tanked, I think. I, it seems like longer and worse than the Astros did. Not worse because the Astros really bottomed out, but like it's all the same format. And I think any team that tanks should be shot into the sun. So I'm picking the Orioles. I'll pick. I'll pick the Red Sox. I assume they'll do the thing where they like decide to be the win the World Series this year. But <laughs> no, they'll they'll go last this year. But then like the next year they'll they'll figure something out and then win the World Series and yeah. then go back and then like, <laughs> do the alternate thing. Yeah. All right. Okay, next up, what was the first pair of nice athletic sneakers you wore? 
For myself, it was a pair of white Adidas superstars oh, wow. with the classic black stripes. I could only wear them in the basketball gym for games and practice. I, I think I may have had Magix's Converse in the 80s. What about you two? Any Air Jordans in your past? I am sure that I there were some pair of shoes that either because I thought they looked cool or my friends were saying that they look cool that I made my parents pay way too much money for. And I don't yeah. remember because I was an idiot. Still, I I yeah. will say yeah I never I never had Jordans they they seemed always to be too expensive or like in that range where I'm like what I didn't and I've never been like a I guess a sneakerhead as they say you know yeah. like so uh so yeah no go go ahead sorry I, I just want to talk about I remember Jordan. buying I think with my own money but maybe not I bought them but it's possible I, I got money from my parents uh a pair of like dodger blue converses Ooh. that i loved and i oh, i'm man. a very neutral dresser i don't really yeah. dress, but and these went against that but i thought they looked and i still do i'm really proud of this that i, I didn't think it were trending i thought they looked really really cool uh so I'll, I'll say that even though again i'm sure there was another expensive pair of shoes in my past and we haven't talked about this on the podcast where you're a neutral dresser because you're a spy that's your day job right yes that's <laughs> yeah i'm really good right. at it too um so, yeah, I, I'm trying to think, like, the only one that I can think of that was, like, that I probably made any push for is, I, I do remember at some point, I, and it couldn't have been early in the iteration, but I did get a pair of Reebok pumps, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. felt cool as hell. I always wanted pumps, and I, again, yeah. I don't think I ever got them. Did, you, you were too old for the, like, the um, L.A. Lights trend um, right i i believe yeah so la gear and then la tech was coming up too like where it was like an offshoot or something yeah. or like a competitor and but yeah those were around but i, I never got those um, to be honest like my my usual like shoe purchasing thing growing up and not maybe now to a point but like it was almost always growing up um going to big five and seeing what big five had on sale <laughs> And then getting that—that was—that was what I got for shoes. So like, it wasn't anything. But yeah, I just remember the 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 Reebok pumps were like the I think the exception to that. There was Foot Locker a lot in there too. But like, yeah. St. Patrick's Day was on Friday, and we all know that corned beef is a staple that day. One breakfast dish that features a mainstay is that. Jeez Louise! One breakfast dish that features that mainstay is corned beef hash. If you could put together a combination of breakfast meats and vegetables cooked in a skillet, what would those dishes include? And would you add some type of cooked egg on it? I am essentially allergic to eggs in that form. So mm-hmm. no, <laughs> that would render it not edible. Um, give me corned beef is a good option, but some sort of like really nice meat like that. Um, some sweet potatoes, some regular potatoes, some onions, and like a really good hot sauce and a gravy. And I am, I'm going and the gravy. Um, so I, I do like the eggs and that is my preferred method of egg eating. Well, it's scrambled eggs for the most part, but I like having it all together in a scramble. I am, I, I find myself like, I guess in the way, like, you know, a restaurant prepares an omelet. I don't like the, the eggs being that thin. I prefer it, or maybe it's, I'm probably conflating things, but 
I prefer if everything is like just together in a scramble. Um, so that's that's how I'm sort of envisioning this. So there's definitely eggs in there, but there's also um, so bacon to me for breakfast at least. I like it on the side. I don't like it like mixed in for to this because you have to cook it first anyway before it goes in there. Um, I guess same thing goes, but like ham is usually good inside of like an, like an egg scramble or something like that, but also sausage in this case. Um, but yeah, um, spinach, tomatoes, mushrooms, onions. Um, you could go bell pepper as well. Jalapenos for sure. Uh, but also the hot sauce is a, is a thing at the end or whatever, but you know, what's, what's good also is, um, is broccoli. I don't, I don't cook this enough with like breakfast, but like as, as a, just throw it in there. Like that would be like an amazing, like just overall, um, nice big scramble type thing. Um, so yeah, I I would totally eat that up. Well, that's, that's that. Wow. We did it. Can't no real, I can go get a, like a, and that's the problem of all these hashes. They always have egg on them. And I always feel weird getting without an egg. No, but if you, if you got like corned beef hash, you could just get that. Yeah. And you, without the eggs, right? Like, so add some gravy. Yeah. Well, we'll, I'll see what I can do, but I'm not, not recording this at night. There's no real good 24 hour place out here. Yeah. We're recording this at, at night, which, which is the, the, the worst time to have a breakfast pang. Although to be fair, I have a lot of, uh, vegetables and um, meat type things in the fridge uh, that I can make with eggs at, at, right after we're done. So maybe this isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, once again, we are on the Fans First Sports Network. We are three inning save. We are a Dodgers podcast. I'm Eric Steven. That's Jacob Birch. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing you more Dodgers podcasts in the future. 